Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wildcard! Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. Welcome to Industry Focus. It's Tuesday, April 21st, and I'm your host, Emily Flippin. For this week's Consumer Goods Deep Dive, we have a really special guest with us. So joining us over Zoom is Anthony Coniglio, the CEO of New Lake Capital Partners, a real estate cannabis investment business that's doing something actually really important in the burgeoning cannabis industry. That's freeing up capital for cannabis businesses by entering into what are often very lucrative lease agreements. Um, So if that sounds confusing to you, don't worry. Anthony's got to help us break it all down over the next half hour or so. Anthony, thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me. So I'm really excited about this week's episode because you're going to help our listeners and investors understand what I think is probably one of the most convoluted consumer packaged goods businesses out there, and that's cannabis. Um, And especially what they should be thinking about the space amidst this global pandemic. Um, So for anybody, anybody listening who may be unaware, we're coming off the backs of what is traditionally a pretty big holiday in the cannabis world. That's April 20th. And we wanted to have a little bit of a belated celebration and mostly an educational opportunity for our investors who who may be new to investing in cannabis or really just interested in hearing more about it. Um, But before we dive into all that, Anthony, it'd be great to hear a little bit more about yourself and about your company. Great. Well, thanks again for having me. Um, Over my 30-year career, I've been fortunate to work at both Fortune 100 companies and startups. I started my career at Price Waterhouse auditing real estate companies and asset management businesses. I later spent about 15 years at JP Morgan, where I was running various investment banking businesses. And then about 10 years ago, I started my entrepreneurial part of my career where I left JP Morgan to launch a financial services startup. And we scaled that business nationally, ultimately selling the company prior to starting New Lake. Um, And so at New Lake, we're a real estate company that's focused on building a diversified portfolio of retail and industrial properties that we lease to companies in the cannabis sector, as you pointed out. And those properties are used for dispensaries as well as cultivation, processing, and manufacturing facilities. Our properties are acquired using something called a sale-leaseback transaction, and our tenants are some of the most respected and well-run businesses in the industry. Names such as Grassroots, Columbia Care, um, Pharmacan, and PurePen. And just summarize it, uh, our business model, it's really simple. We earn revenue by charging rent. Our investors receive a nice, healthy quarterly dividend. And we believe there'll be significant appreciation in the value of our portfolio as the legal status of cannabis changes over time. And you're really downplaying the importance of the work that uh, companies like New Lake do for the cannabis space, because uh, a lot of the assets, and as a cannabis investor myself, a lot of the assets cannabis uh, companies are invested in, it's real estate, that's what ties up their cash. So New Lake, uh, your company coming in and essentially freeing up cash for the companies is actually really important to allow them to put capital where they need it the most, which is not (laughs) necessarily in real estate, right? That's right. That's right. And you know, it's when you think about triple net leasing, these are not new leasing arrangements. 
Um, these are, are strategies or leasing arrangements that are utilized and um, by other what I would call more mainstream companies. It's a very common leasing arrangement used by national platforms such as Starbucks, Walgreens, Home Depot, and even Amazon. Companies such as these, they realize that their capital is best used to grow their business and invest in people or technology, not to tie up their capital in a hard asset like real estate. And so what we're doing is we are aligning traditional real estate investors with the real estate asset, unlocking capital for the cannabis companies so they can do what they do uh, best, which is develop a brand, grow a business, and create a national retail or manufacturing platform, whatever their focus is. Yeah. So the sale leaseback is is obviously a critical part of capital, not just for the cannabis industry, but for many different industries. But New Lake clearly works closely with a lot of US-based cannabis retailers and cultivators, uh, which makes the risks and rewards of your business in particular really interesting. Um, what are some of the risks and opportunities that you're seeing with these businesses that you think, uh, whether they be you know your own employees, right, people in New Lake, whether they be retail investors, uh, what they should be aware of in the space? Wow. The, the risks and opportunities are many for each, yeah, for each category. So why don't we do this? I'll mention a few and talk about each and a little bit more specifically. Um, I'd, I'd put, I'd say there are top three risks that people should be aware of. I put them in the following categories. One, legal and regulatory risk. Um, second, economic risk. And I'll talk more about what I mean by economic risk. And then third, this general category of uncertainty or lack of predictive capability in the industry. And then on the opportunity side of the ledger, yeah, I'll talk about their, I think their opportunities abound. So on that first risk, legal and regulatory, I think it's important to understand, as you know, and, and probably some of your listeners, that cannabis is governed by a patchwork of regulations. 33 states have legalized medical use, while 11 um, of those are permitting adult recreational use. And then at the federal level, the product continues to be illegal. To add additional complexity, regulations are structured very differently from state to state. And as a result, the growth dynamics and business opportunities can be quite different by location. So focusing on these factors and understanding how, how a company intends to capture the market they're targeting, that's a good way for investors to really judge if that's a strategy they want to invest in. Do they want to focus on Canada? the US, Western states, Eastern states, or a national platform. They all have different regulatory considerations to consider. So I'd suggest investor, I'd suggest to investors that it's not one size fits all. And people should give considerable thought about what opportunity they want to pursue. On that second risk I mentioned, economic risk, where any venture has some element of economic success or failure, the cannabis sector is different in that there are more obstacles, in my opinion, there are more obstacles than normal to achieving profit and cash flow. There's no blueprint to follow since the legal cannabis industry is relatively new. The rules of the road are evolving. And, and literally, they're evolving as these operators are trying to drive their business forward. Take all that uncertainty, and then you have the federal government charging exorbitant taxes under 280E, which drains a fledgling business of much needed cash flow. Um, and without going into too much detail here, because I could spend a whole half hour on this topic alone, I, I guess I would summarize this category to say investors should understand that cannabis businesses have additional obstacles to success. 
And investors, I would suggest to, to focus on companies' capital position and the management capabilities as those key tools um, to achieve the goals that those teams are setting forth. Um, let me touch on that third risk uh, before I get to opportunity. I don't want to be all negative here. Um, the third risk I think is important to mention is uncertainty. The industry is drenched in uncertainty. Uncertainty at the federal level, at the state level, and even at the municipal level. Even for, for states and municipalities where there's legalization today, rules are evolving, uh, green zones are evolving as well. What's also interesting in this industry is that there's little historical data to help management teams make decisions. If you wanted to start a, re start a restaurant today, maybe today wouldn't be exactly the right time, but if you wanted to start a restaurant or retailing business or just about any other business, you could look at decades and decades of experience um, in, in how those businesses grow and thrive. Here, that doesn't exist. Consumer demand is evolving, supply chains are being developed, and the entire supply-demand dynamics of the industry are still being formed. So what does that all mean? That all means that you want to invest in a company that has the ability to navigate that changing environment and be responsive to the shifting dynamics in the industry. It's really, really important in my opinion. So let me talk about some of the opportunities. Um, there are many in this fledgling industry. Um, investors just need to figure out how they want to play it. Do they want to invest in what's called a plant-touching operator, which either cultivates or manufactures or they sell cannabis, or do they want to invest in what's called an ancillary business, one that provides goods and services to the industry? For New Lake, we saw an opportunity to fill a major need for real estate capital since traditional providers can't service the industry due to the federal classification of cannabis. <clears throat> Excuse me. We, we assembled a world-class team of entrepreneurs, business executives, that had the experience in cannabis and real estate and financial services to go and capture that opportunity. So if you think about this for a moment from a real estate perspective, the cannabis industry requires significant investment in real estate for facilities to grow, manufacture, package, and sell the product. And we at Newlake can provide non-dilutive capital to the operators for the real estate they either own today or for locations they wish to operate in the future. So again, I come back to companies such as Walgreens or Amazon, cannabis operators today, not only out of necessity, but I think what they're realizing is that it's not a good use of their capital to own real estate. And so they should be more capital light focused on either developing best-in-class growing procedures or best-in-class retail platforms or best-in-class brands. So uh, let me summarize the opportunity set as I think it's broader than just about any other industry I've, I've observed, but I believe where you want to pursue opportunity um, for returns should really be guided by tolerance for risk. And maybe I'm showing my stripes as a bit more of a risk manager here, um, but I do think that you can run after opportunity and, and see great, great opportunity, but without mitigating those meaningful risks that are in this industry, um, you may be in for uh, a rude loss. So if you understand where your, your tolerance for risk is, I think you can well place your bets and find meaningful opportunity in the sector. I am extremely impressed by how succinctly you have summarized both the risks and opportunities of the <laughs> cannabis sector, something that I've been trying to do for years now. Um, you managed to get in there in a matter of minutes. So uh, I'm impressed. And I'm even more impressed because one of the, the 
things that you highlighted when you talked about the risks and how you mitigate risks for the companies that you look at for New Lake are looking at capital structure, um, you know, their their own liquidity plus management. And it got me thinking that I'd, I'd have to imagine any retail investors looking at very similar aspects that you might be looking at for clients at New Lake when they're making their own investment opportunities. So what are some of those qualities in addition to, you know, the management structure obviously being important, but what are some of those qualities that you happen to look for? Yeah, we, we try to focus on the differences between states in terms of the operating environment. We focus on limited license states. The reason do we do that is we like in these limited license states where the property and the license to operate the business are intertwined. And again, it's this concept of understanding the structural differences state to state that is key to mitigating, in, in our opinion, our risk. So in these limited license states, as you would assume or, or expect, there's a more friendly operating environment for our tenants given the limits on competition. And so their opportunity to generate cash flow and profitability will be better than states where there's significantly greater competition. And for sure, we've seen that, say, in, in California or in Oregon uh, or in Colorado, where there's a lot of competition on the retail side in particular. Um, additionally, when there's a limited number of licenses, that means that each license has intrinsic value to the holder of the license, which makes it more likely that in a distress situation, the holder of the license will sell to a buyer that has to be approved by the state. And so if a healthy company acquires that license, they will then want to operate out of our location and thus preserving our cash flow. And so we look at that as a real key mitigant to the, the risk that you were talking about. But you know, furthermore, and this may sound very onerous, given the nascence of the industry and the inevitable volatility and performance over the next decade, we actually underwrite and structure our transactions with the expectation that each tenant will experience financial distress. And I know that seems overly harsh, but given the uncertainty that I mentioned, whether it be regulatory or environmental or the evolution of the business, um, we just don't see another way. We, we think it's critically important to understand how the management teams will respond in crisis um, and how you can protect your, protect your interests. I love that answer. And maybe the my next question is a little bit of a moot point, given the fact that you seem to find value in the intrinsic licenses that these companies have. But I know that on a federal level, with cannabis still being a Schedule One drug, uh, there are concerns about what happens to these companies if and when they do become financially distressed. They can't go to uh, the federal government for help in terms of, of bankruptcy. So how does that frame into how you start to look at these businesses coming in as, as essentially a, a somewhat of a debt investor on the lease side. So you're correct. We don't think bankruptcy courts are available to the industry, given they're governed by federal law. It's, it's a big unknown about how financially distressed or insolvent companies will be sorted out without the assistance of bankruptcy protection and the rules of the road that bankruptcy precedent provides. Um, but as I said earlier, we're in a bit of a different position in that we own the underlying real estate and don't have to rely on foreclosure or legal remedies to deal with a distress situation. And there are a number of situations that are going on right now where I think will be very instructive about how do some of the meaningful debt investors in the sector handle distress and what do they do to force companies to resolve the cash flow or repayment um, difficulties that they're experiencing. Yeah, that 
that makes sense. And, and that's on top of some of the issues that we're seeing in the industry that what both existed, you know, in 2019 heading into 2020, but also just over the past few months, as we've seen, uh, COVID-19, this global pandemic start to develop, uh, what impacts, if any, have you seen from COVID-19 on the industry? Yeah, I mean, I, I actually think to play off your, your your point about last year, I actually think that 2019 and the the lack of access to capital that occurred in the second half of the year, I think it created a tremendous amount of discipline or growing discipline in the cannabis sector that is serving the industry well today. I think companies were already thinking about how to focus on driving down costs um, to get to cash flow positive. They were focused on getting to profitability. And now as COVID um, evolves, I think they're a little battle tested from second half of 2019. Um, and so more specifically, with respect to COVID-19, while we still see many companies working towards cash flow and profitability, um, the impacts on the industry are still being assessed. You know, on the one hand, there's been a boost to awareness of cannabis as a medicine for pain management, anxiety, sleep difficulties, and many other conditions. Um, and the essential designation will certainly help the industry long-term in winning new customers, new patients, and I believe even at the legislative level, both at the state level and nationally. And so that will take more time to unfold. But in my opinion, it's a significant positive uh, uh, step on those fronts. Furthermore, the stay-at-home orders and the longevity of this crisis are playing into the demand for cannabis. Again, whether it's from people who are seeing higher levels of anxiety and sleep difficulty, as just one example, um, or those that that are seeking cannabis as a way to relax from a more recreational perspective, spending more time at home. Furthermore, I'd say that the stay-at-home orders and the longevity of the crisis. Uh, on the other hand, the industry has had to adjust to modifications in operating procedures promulgated by states and focused on employee, patient, and customer health and reacting to the new patient or customer behavior whether it's more curbside pickup or delivery or fewer customer visits, but larger basket sizes as people pantry load, all of that is going to have a yet to be known impact on margins and profit. So we need to keep an eye on that and understand how that impacts the industry. But all in all, I think the industry has done a wonderful job serving patients and customers. And I'm seeing that, um, that adaptation and creativity and I think the industry will come out of this much stronger. Yeah, I have to say that's a really unique perspective that I, I haven't heard before, given the fact that um, so many of these cannabis companies are distressed. And a lot of people have jumped to the conclusion that uh, when times are hard, companies that were in distress beforehand will continue to be even more distressed during during a crisis. But I love that you highlight how adaptable some of these companies have had to be over the past year and how they will continue to be during this crisis. Uh, it sounds as, it sounds to me as if um, this pandemic has almost made you believe that the maturity process for these companies has been sped up as a result of the crisis as opposed to, to hurt. Yeah, it, it, in my opinion, it has indeed. I think something that's not being talked about enough is how the pandemic has forced industry and regulators to work together in a manner like never before. And I think the industry is demonstrating that it's a responsible and important member of the communities in which they operate. 
And I expect that that's going to bode well as more states consider either passing legislation for medical use cannabis or expanding existing regulatory constructs. I love that. Um, so, you know, we're still very early stages for the cannabis industry, but, you know, looking back after this pandemic, right, let's let's try to, it, it's impossible right now because we have no idea how it's going to evolve, but let's try to look forward a year into the future uh, where we're no longer constantly considering when the next time we're going to be able to, to leave our houses, maybe. Uh, how do you see the industry evolving? Because we're, we're entering a, a really aggressive shakeout stage, it seems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I, we're very early, in my opinion. Um, I do see more states legalizing. Um, I think the pressure on state budgets is significant from COVID and any opportunity to broaden the revenue base for states will be very attractive. So whether it's expanding existing programs or uh, looking to implement new programs, uh, I think that's going to be a positive for the industry. I do ultimately see federal legalization. However, I want to temper excitement because I've learned long ago um, that these things always take longer than you want. They're harder than you want them to be, and they usually cost a lot more than you want them to cost. Um, So while I'm optimistic about the long-term trends and opportunities, I'm expecting it will take longer than one to two years to get there um, that I hear some prognosticators talking about. So uh, positive, yes. As far as a shakeout, yes, there will be winners and losers. I believe the winners will be defined by those companies that have the capital and the skill set to meet the needs of the longer-term path I just described. And along the way, there'll be consolidation of the weaker platforms and elimination of companies that don't have a value proposition for patients and customers, or in turn, a value proposition for acquirers. If you're not going to fill in a geographic need or a product need or an efficiency need, um, it's hard to see an M&A path. And if investors want to avoid the latter category, that M&A, they should ask themselves, what's different about this company that I'm investing in versus its competitors? Does it have an edge? Does it have a cost advantage? Is there a value proposition to the customer? Because those are the never-ending qualities of a good company that may find itself in financial distress but still has a great product or a great team or a great strategy, just needs the gas in the tank that's in the form of liquidity and capital. Um, But if you don't have the liquidity and capital and you don't have the management team that knows how to navigate these uncharted waters and you don't have a real value prop, it's a short ride to an alternative job. You know, I I think I was one of those prognosticators that you mentioned. Uh, Being relatively young myself, I think I saw the path to legalization uh, much quicker than it's shaken out. And I'll tell you what, it really hit me last year when I watched New Jersey, a state that really wanted to legalize adult-use cannabis, proceed to, to squabble over the details, the tiny legislative details that come along with the actual nuances of passing legislation that impacts so many people's lives. So I love the fact that you highlighted that. I've, I've tempered my own expectations for regulatory changes in the cannabis space as a result of what we've seen over the past few years. And I'm sure as I, I age and become more experienced, a more experienced investor that will continue to shift. Uh, but I do have one last question for you. And I, I'll tell you what, I'm full of unfairly broad questions for you today. <laughs> so I'm going to you know, inch strong on an also very 
unfairly broad question. Uh, but if you could leave one thought for our listener or just an investor who was just thinking about investing in the cannabis space, whether that be through ancillary, whether that be through pure play, but they haven't pulled the trigger, what would you tell them? Mm. I would say it's not for the faint of heart. There's great risk, but great opportunity. I think the way to approach it is to, again, here's my stripes as a risk manager. I think the way to approach it is to choose your level of risk tolerance and let that lead your decision making. What's your risk for liquidity? Do you want to be in a private company or a public company? What's your risk of where you want to be in the capital stack? Do you want to be in debt or do you want to be in equity? If you want to be in debt, do you want to be secured or unsecured? And Excuse me. And then what's your appetite for regulatory risk? Do you want to be in a direct plant touching business or do you want to be invested in an ancillary business? Um, and that's really where I'd, I'd uh, leave that thought with your, with your listeners is do your homework. This is not like investing in Apple or another smartphone maker. Um, it really requires, I think, a significant investment in understanding how you want to play it, what your level of risk is, and then going deep on the management teams, getting behind what's on the website, getting behind what's on the investor presentation to truly understand, does this company have the capital and liquidity necessary to achieve their goals? Do they have the access to that capital? Because listen, you could have the best management team in the world. If you don't have capital and liquidity, there's not much of a future. Um, and once you check that box, does this management team have the chops to navigate the business through all the uncertainties that we've we've talked about. Um, and so I think if you do your homework, um, uh, hold on, it'll be a wild ride, but I believe ultimately this is this uh, this category is a long-term secular growth trend, and I think there's uh, great opportunities for all of us in it. Oh, what a positive note to leave that on. Um, Anthony, this has really been an amazing podcast, and I, I appreciate you joining me so much today. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Listeners, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or just want to reach out, shoot us an email at industryfocus@fool.com or tweet us at mfindustryfocus. As always, people in the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against any stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for his work behind the screen today. For Anthony Caniglio, I'm Emily Flippin. Thanks for listening and full on. Fool on!